0: Industrial Light and Magic, LucasArts, Skywalker Sound, LucasFilm Animation. This is Looking at LucasFilm with Jim Hill and Dan Z. Welcome to Looking at LucasFilm, the podcast with a different perspective on the world of Star Wars, Indiana Jones, and all of the other entities that George Lucas, Kathleen Kennedy, and the rest of the team at LucasFilm have dreamed up over the past 40 years. I'm entertainment writer Jim Hill, and my co-host Danzy. How is it you are still standing upright? Didn't you just get back from Chicago and, and this year's Star Wars celebration?
1: I did, but this is actually just kind of my normal pace anyway. I, I stay up late, I think about Star Wars and write about it and talk about it. I wake up early and do lots of exercising, but in this instance, I did it around McCormick Place instead of in a gym, so it was pretty normal for me.
0: I have done... The Comic Con thing where you do the five days of walking around a giant convention center, and I oh, yeah. know you need recovery days. So the fact that you know you drop back into your teaching routine is is immediately. It is a real tribute to you, or maybe I'm just a lazy slug.
1: No, don't get me wrong. I'm sure I taught and, and walked like I was going through jello for about a day and a half. I have no mm-hmm. doubt
0: about that. <laughs> okay, well we'll tell you what, folks. We're going to deviate from our usual formula here, largely because so much news just came out of this year's Star Wars Celebration, and Dan had a front row seat for a lot of this stuff. So what I'm going to try to do here is ask him the sort of questions that I'm hoping looking at Lucasfilm listeners would like to have Dan answer, and that way we could live vicariously through his reminiscence about what he saw and did at McCormick Place. So let's start with the obvious place. What do you think? What's the biggest news that came out of this year's Star Wars Celebration, Dan? Well,
1: I guess there's a couple of ways you can go, but I think it's a tie between finding out the title of Episode Nine slash trailer mm-hmm. and then discovering the incredibly powerful news that Ian McDermott was going to rep-
0: reprise his role as Emperor Sheev Palpatine. Mm-hmm. That, that blew me out of the water. I loved the craft of the trailer in that I loved how it, it was bookended with Mark Hamill doing audio of Luke and that immediately being recognizable and then to end with the Emperor's very distinct laugh coming out of the darkness but did you see the redub that's floating around the web now where when they (laughs) get to the the final card in the darkness they've dubbed him Tom Kenny's laugh as Spongebob no but I saw the one with Jeff Goldblum's laugh
1: oh (laughs) that I didn't see that was quite hysterical
0: you had to be in the hall when they first screened the trailer, what was the reaction like?
1: So Disney was kind enough to, to make sure that uh, myself and a number of other uh, media types and influencers were in the room where it happened, to quote Hamilton. Mm-hmm. And yep. it was like an explosion of joy and goosebumps. It, mm-hmm. we, it was just absolutely electric. We knew it was going to happen at the end. Of course, they always jump right into it. And then they had sort of alluded to during the panel that we were going to see a lot the force in a lot of different ways, and the stunt work was spectacular. And of mm-hmm. course, that beautiful scene of Daisy really doing that backflip over that tie mm-hmm. that appears to be being driven by Kylo Ren. And it was just so powerful and just kept escalating and escalating, and all the wonderful, glorious things happened. And of course, when it damned, and, and Palpatine had his laugh, they had said mm-hmm. during that panel that they're gonna, Ray and the heroes are gonna have to face the ultimate evil. And I remember thinking, Ultimate evil. I wonder what that is. Is it, is it some mm-hmm. sort of a metaphor? What do we got going on here? And then it was Palpatine. And I remember just like, squeezing my fists and shaking them, going, Yeah, I just couldn't believe that we were actually going to experience something of that magnitude. Because you're talking about the ultimate evil in the galaxy. Mm-hmm. And who knows what it takes for him to come back? Because the Sith, there are no Sith force ghosts. That's mm-hmm. never happened before. So whatever they've got going on. It's pretty powerful, and apparently this has been something that J.J. and companies companies had in mind since they were developing the story for The Force Awakens. Mm-hmm. But here's the big one, Jim. I'm not sure if you're aware of this. After they played it, mm-hmm. and I put it on my Instagram story on Coffee with Kenobi, the lights come on, and this man walks out on the stage. It was mm-hmm. Ian McDermott, So there was oh. no doubt mm-hmm. that this was going on. And then in his best Emperor voice, he said, Roll it again. And the lights <laughs> dimmed and boom he did it again. And my goodness, if if you weren't excited before, which everyone was, just that was just like the exclamation point, him coming out and sort of giving his his Sith blessing on it and it just exploded. A real quick thing, I know we got a lot to talk about. I went to the on Monday I went to the twentieth anniversary of the Phantom Menace panel and mm-hmm. Ian McDermott was one of the main people that they interviewed. Mm-hmm. And Warwick Davis, who was the host, said to him, Hey, uh, it appears that Palpatine is back in Star Wars. What is is that? Why you came? Why you're here? And he said, and McDermott kind of smiled. He said, "No, actually, I was just in town and I just stopped by for a laugh." <laughs> which I thought was brilliant. Oh, that's a total a great, deadpan.
0: Yeah, that's great. That's great. Okay, a couple of quick questions here. You take on the title. The title's great. Uh, mm-hmm. It's mythic, and I have it on pretty good
1: authority that there are about a handful of people who even knew. Mm-hmm what the title is going to be. In fact, a lot of people quite high up had mm-hmm. no clue what the title was going to be until we all saw the title card together in the Wind Trust Arena at McCormick Place in Chicago, Illinois. Mm-hmm. I thought it's very mythic. Uh, the Rise of Skywalker, the beautiful blue font, tells me that they're going to bookend this mm-hmm. as the end of the nine chapters in the Star Wars saga, in the Skywalker saga. And I, d- I just like the mythical proportions of it. I think it's... I think it's absolutely
0: perfect. Okay. Well, a well-put-together trailer. And again, you you mentioned how strongly it starts with the whole Ray making the run at what appears to be Kylo's. Um, the TIE Fighter. It, TIE Fighter. There we go. That one's actually called a TIE Silencer, if you really want me to get my Star Wars nerd on. There we go. <laughs> and again, it was great seeing Carrie again. Likewise, it's so much fun to see Billy Dee back as Lando. Mm. Like I have to admit, kind of intrigued at seeing the Death Star Wreckage sticking up out of that surf, so be fascinated to see where this goes. Because we've got two Death Stars to choose from, so it's hard to say which one that is. This is true. The other thing I thought was fascinating was watching this from afar and watching how, for example, when they were running the trailer. They were also working a camera crane in the room to record the reaction of everybody in the hall. It was fascinating to watch you guys watching the trailer and watching the camera watching you guys watch the trailer. I just... Oh, yeah. Very meta. Yeah. Oh, and now speaking of, of people watching the trailer... I wonder if you saw that video online of the Star Wars fan tearing up as he watched uh, the Rise of Skywalker trailer, and then kind of the backlash as as the guy got nerd shamed for tearing up. And it's like, for me, the best part was to watch how the fan community pushed back, and it's like, well, of course he's crying. It's Star Wars. It's you know, it's something, and it means something to this guy. Which brings me to kind of my next issue about this year's event. The past year or so, what with those trolls, you know, who reacted as strongly as they did to Last Jedi and how they went after Kelly Marie Tran, the actress who played Rose Tico. You know, it almost seemed like this year's Star Wars Celebration was a reaction to this, that it was so positive, so upbeat, so warm. Was that what you felt as you, you wandered around the hall? Or
1: Yeah, absolutely. From the moment I stepped foot in the McCormick Place until we left, Monday, Mm -hmm. after my mythology panel, it was very upbeat, very friendly. I didn't see anyone. I mean, some people were tired, of course. That's just Mm -hmm. natural. But there was just a lot of joy. There was a lot Mm -hmm. of goodwill. There was a lot of great conversations. Even in the stores, people were helping each other find things. Mm -hmm. By now, Star Wars is a community that, I'm sure the negative stuff gets all the press. There are a lot of people who really love and respect each other in this Star Wars fandom. And you become friends through social media, and this is one of the few times you get to see each other. It's almost like a family reunion in a way. Mm-hmm. And there was just a ton of joy. Uh, as far as that young man that was um, tearing up and he was, he was nerd-shamed, Mark mm-hmm. Hamill came to his defense. And oh, by it. the way, I got mm-hmm. really choked up when I yeah. watched it. I was almost overwhelmed for a few moments. I'm like, wow, this is really impacting me. All oh, the mm-hmm. gorgeous music, the energy in the room, and knowing this is the end of the Skywalker saga. I mean, if you're not getting emotional about it and you're at a Star Wars celebration or watching a trailer the first day it comes out, then then what are we doing here?
0: One of the things that people are talking about, even now, the reaction that Ahmed Best got when he came on stage for the 20th anniversary panel for Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. I mean, this is a guy who really got beaten up because of how Jar Jar Binks was perceived back in the day. And were you there for the panel or... Oh,
1: yeah. I was I was at every single major panel. I had really good seats, thanks to Disney. And I mm-hmm. thought it was a wonderful reaction. He got an even stronger reaction when he came out on the show floor because the Star Wars show had a live stream. Mm-hmm. And there, it was overwhelming. There were so many people. He clearly was touched and moved by it. He was very, very cool, too, when he was talking. And mm-hmm. I just thought, this is a guy who's the first true motion capture main character in a film. And it was a Star Wars film. You know, a mm-hmm. combination of Buster Keaton... And other famous kind of vaudevillian performers. Mm. And he was great. And George loved him. And there was a lot of great images and behind-the-scenes conversation. And there was nothing but love for him and for Kelly Marie Tran. She got an incredibly wonderful ovation. In fact, she got a standing ovation. I was behind the scenes for some stuff. And she walked Mm. right by me and smiled. And she was kind of dancing around. And she clearly seemed... Very, very happy and in a very good place. And I'm glad because that vibe you mentioned was very much present everywhere I went.
0: That's great to hear. So, obviously, you're out wandering the floor. Did we have a favorite booth?
1: Oh, wow. Well, okay. I will say uh, mm-hmm. there was a lot of fun stuff. Lego was fun. Hasbro was fun. Uh, a lot of great stuff. Uh, the Galaxy's Edge booth, we'll talk about. I thought that was great. But the mm-hmm. one I liked the most was the Vader Immortal, the, um, the Oculus ILM X Labs virtual reality mm-hmm. thing that is. It's kind of a sequel. It takes place at least canonically after a Secrets of the Empire, The Void from you know, Disney Springs and Glendale mm-hmm. and Disneyland. And that was tremendous. That was tremendous fun. I talked to the to the good folks there for a while, I had him on the show. And that thing I think was a must do on the show floor. I mean, the cosplay was through the roof amazing. I mean, I saw a stormtrooper dressed like Skeletor. <laughs> <laughs> there was so many fun things. They had the Muppets characters in Stormtrooper costumes. There were a number of BB-8s, R2 units. There was an emperor that was sort of mm-hmm. floating on a hoverboard. And, it oh, it was unbelievable.
0: Oh, it sounds cool. Now again, okay, you yeah, mentioned the Galaxy's Edge boots, so we gotta talk about that. I mean, at the very least, I saw you, uh, you know, you, you and your cohorts, you know, hanging out in the ride vehicle for Rise of the Resistance with the the droid yes. that's supposedly driving you around. But but what was that like? The ride vehicle was
1: great. It very much reminded me of Indiana Jones and the Temple of the Forbidden Eye from Disneyland, as far as how how wide and spacious it is. The seats were comfortable. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was kind of looking around to see if there were little places where they could spit water out at you or you know what i mean mm-hmm. any of those little things that disney does at the theme parks but oh sure it sure. fits a lot of people in um, the droid i will say in the in the front is very much between the second and third seat so if you want to see over the droid set, you're gonna to have to be kind of Eunice suitamo tall so i can already okay. tell you off the, right off the bat don't sit in the front in as second Dan, or third i seats. will
0: pivot as soon as we finish this podcast and Reach out to Len. That's the first thing that needs to go in the unofficial guide. In order right. to advice about rise of the resistance. That's to Put true. the basketball players in the second and third seat up front. Yeah, okay, sure. got it. Uh, getting to the Galaxy's Edge panel itself. Yeah. Lots of interesting tidbits there. I mean, I'd heard the story about the three-second rule. You had to look at the art or a model or that sort of thing and know instantaneously that it was Star Wars. I mean I, I was lucky enough at the D-23 Expo in uh, 2017 to talk with Jug Chang for a bit and he he talked about for example how Jabba's palace influenced the look of the cantinas that are inside of Black Spire Outpost because of there's a certain way that Star Wars does the low squat buildings and, you know, it's a very distinctive shape that you recognize instantly that it is or is not Star Wars. And I guess it took them a number of tries to get the cantinas right. And, and speaking of the cantinas, the Coca-Cola containers that look like thermal detonators, really? <laughs> you know.
1: There was a lot of conversation about that. And they, uh, one of the fun things about that is at the end, they gave to everybody at the panel... Uh, yep. A red Coca-Cola shirt with written in Orabesh, which I thought was a really fun thing. Oh. There's a lot of cool stuff that happened in that. I think besides the, the. I mean, some people were upset about the kind of the product placement thing. Mm-hmm. But it's still not regular. It's not still real world stuff. I mean, it's the same drink. Mm-hmm. Because that's kind of normal. And people are going to want that. That everybody's going to want blue milk or green milk. But they this are gonna to want to have a refreshing Coca Cola, and mm-hmm. now it's become collectible. So I was joking around with Lumangello that I was gonna be my house was gonna be full of sticky Coke bottles that look like thermal detonators, because I wanted to get my hands on them. Because you know, of course, us Star Wars fans are extremely mm-hmm. uh, collectible type people. Uh, real quick about the booth, by the way. Yep. They had the Droid Builders on display were mm-hmm. the, the ones you can create uh, and they showed the backpacks that you fit the droids and they explained that these droids will have personality chips so if you are on on uh, the resistance side you'll be just fine when you're walking around in the resistance space but when you go near the first order your droid will become very nervous and anxious mm-hmm. and shake which I think is quite neat but the neatest thing there was mm. they had these booths set up did you hear about this?
0: No I guess not
1: they had these booths set up where you were able to go in and you had 30 seconds to record what Star Wars means to you. And what we were told is that it was going to be recorded into a holocron, which is, of course, the device that the Jedi used to, to pass on their knowledge and their, their the important things in the Jedi culture. And they're going to be streaming these things at Galaxy's Edge on both coasts. So, of course, myself, Tom Gross, and Corey Club from Coffee with Kenobi recorded our What Star Wars Means to Us segment. So we could be in
0: that holocron too, which I thought was a really neat neat thing. Oh, that's so cool. The one thing I'm a little concerned about is, is there actually a market out there for take home your very own Kowakian monkey lizard? This was one of the the villain, the the most annoying thing in Jabba's Palace. Who who wants to take one of these things home? I didn't see that. Was that at the booth? I didn't see that. Yeah, that this evidently... This is, you know how you can adopt a banshee in Pandora, the sure. world of Avatar or the Animal Kingdom? Evidently, this is the idea for a Galaxy's Edge, that you can go to the take home your plush animal place. But instead of having a remote control banshee on your shoulder, you're going to have, a, you have the opportunity to have a Kowakian monkey lizard. Which, you know, I, I'm sorry, I'm going to have to really fight the urge to slap those things. <laughs>
1: well, we'll talk about that in The Mandalorian, for sure. It'll make you smile if you don't already know.
0: Now, speaking of which, that, that obviously, lots of uh, television news we have to get to yet, but tell you what, speaking of television, let's take a quick commercial break here, and when we get back, Dan will talk about the panels he himself hosted, as well as took part in at the Star Wars Celebration. The first time you and I actually met face to face, you were doing a podcast at the Star Wars Celebration in Anaheim back in 2015, and he filled up the the hall, folks. All right, it's a very popular guy, so saw the photos that you took from your mythology panel, so obviously a big turnout there. What was that like? Thank you for asking. They were wonderful. For the podcast
1: stage, we had a queue about 30 Mm -hmm. minutes, 35 minutes before which was really nice, a fun surprise. Mm -hmm. I saw uh, people that I hadn't seen for years and years, including a good friend of mine and his son who I hadn't seen since he was little. His name was Nick Berkey, so it was super cool to see them. We went Mm -hmm. in there. We knew that James Ronald Taylor was going to join us, and after we set up, we were talking to some listeners, and someone said, there's Jat. So I turned around, Mm -hmm. there's James Ronald Taylor, and lo and behold, he brought Catherine Tabor, who's the voice of Padme Amidala in The Clone Wars, with him and said, hey, do you mind if Kat tags along? And she said, I really don't want to be an inconvenience. I'm happy to sit in the front row. And I said, are you kidding me? <laughs> Catherine, you're, you're literally royalty. You're Padme Amidala. Please mm-hmm. come up. So they were up there for about 10 minutes because they had to go to the Clone Wars uh, panel on mm-hmm. the main stage very soon. But boy, what a wonderful surprise that was. Everybody was great. Everybody was mm-hmm. very enthusiastic. We had, you know, it was a full house for people standing in the back. Yeah, the covering stars Star panel was um, was was of course myself, Clayton Sandell from ABC News, Anthony Bresnahan from Entertainment Weekly, Amy Rakow, who does 365 Star Wars, and then standing in for you was mm. the hilarious, and incredibly fun Drew Taylor. He kind of stole the show a few times. Uh, we had a, we had a blast. In fact, Drew and I hung out quite a bit thanks to you introducing us, so to speak. Mm. So so that was a really fun thing. But there were some some great things that that happened there. Do you have, what would you have said if you were on the panel? What kind of tips would you have offered?
0: I learned very, very early on from from Mark Eads, uh, the gentleman who actually worked on Star Tours, that the hard reality is you do all your research and you you listen to all the people who worked on the project, but you have to be ready for that hard left when somebody goes, wait a minute, you're wrong that that didn't happen. That's not the way it happened. And you, you have to be ready to, to back off. You have to be ready to go, oh, okay, what's your take on what happened? I mean, you still have to do your homework. You still have to be prepped. But you also have to be ready when the conversation goes in a strange direction because sometimes those are the very best stories. I mean, I'm sure when you had those two voice people at your mythology panel on their way to the Clone Wars panel. I'm sure they had, they had a wonderful story. But again, you had to deal with that on the fly. You were going from having one guest to having two. And it's like, okay, roll with the punches here.
1: Oh, yeah. And I I'm, I'm, I think being an educator helps because you you have to improvise and think on your feet all the time. I think that's one of the reasons I like being a teacher, actually, because I get bored very easily. So I like uh, intellectual stimulation and and having that surprise that gave you another shot of adrenaline, which was fun. Everybody up on that panel had great tips. Uh, In fact, the audio for that I released on Wednesday, the 17th of April. So be sure for everyone to go check that out. Um, It's just the covering Star Wars panel. It's it's great. There's some great tips. There's some great stories. It's funny. Mm -hmm. It's thought provoking. I really think if whether you're a seasoned veteran or someone who's just curious or actually is debating starting their own podcast or blog, I really think it's good. Real quickly, though the mythology one at the end was mm-hmm. on the Star Wars University stage. And it had mm-hmm. been a long four and a half days. And I was pretty worn down. And I thought, oh, gosh, there's a part of me that was thinking, well, you know, I'm really tired. I mean, of course I'm going to do this. I can't not do a panel at Star Wars Celebration. That's an incredible honor. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I'm sure there'll be 20 people in here because the... The closing ceremonies are going on simultaneously, so yeah. I I stroll in, and there are a bunch of tables set up and chairs, and it's packed to the gills. And I actually stopped and I turned to my friends and I said, "Are we in the right place?" <laughs> Not that I didn't think I could, you know, wouldn't be successful, but I just didn't expect this many people uh, would be here when everybody was tired. But they were oh, there. Come on, there you're people. See. <laughs> of course, the room is full. Well, it was great. Oh, I ate it up like it was chocolate. Believe me, people right. were standing in the back, and so and Clayton wasn't able to be at that because ABC had him on assignment somewhere else. So I mm-hmm. really quickly changed gears. Uh, we were going to spend half the panel talking about behind the scenes, half talking about mythology, mm-hmm. and I just on the basically I just put on a condensed master class on mm-hmm. how I teach mythology and Star Wars in my classroom, and it was phenomenal. There will be audio for that coming out uh, in the near future as well. But they were all really great panels.
0: That's so great to hear. Now, logistically, though, if you're doing your mythology panel and and the Clone Wars presentation is going on, I'm I'm assuming you didn't manage to make it to that one, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah.
1: Because they were on they were on separate days. Clone Wars was on Sunday and my panel was on Monday.
0: Got it. Okay. Yeah. And I went to the Clone Wars panel. I went to all the uh, animation panels. Based on what I've seen coming out of the Clone Wars panel, it looks like they're picking up right where they left off without breaking stride. I mean, it's the same great look, same high-quality animation. Any insights into the types of stories we'll see going forward? There was a
1: lovely sequence that they showed. If you remember the Clone Wars saved poster that was given out at San Diego Comic-Con, it's a picture of a clone trooper with their helmet painted in the style of Ahsoka's uh, kind of tattoos on her face, her skin. Mm-hmm. Design, you know, the art on her, on the creation of her character. And it was her walking into a, a hangar and seeing all the clones painted like that. And Rex had sort of instituted that Captain Rex. It was very, mm-hmm. it was very kind of a, a little bit of a tear cascaded down me cheek because it was quite lovely. They show there are going to be two new characters that are sisters that, that Ahsoka is going to befriend on level 13, 13, which is a, uh, a big number for stars fans. Cause that was going to be a video game that was going to come out yes,
0: yes, in sorry. kind of
1: the underworld. So that there, mm-hmm. there will be some stories from that section. Mm-hmm. Then we also saw, well, we were, we know the siege of Mandalore is the big one. It's mm-hmm. referred to in, in the EK Johnston, Ahsoka novel, where basically Maul's empire that he has built as a crime Lord starts to go, get taken down. And that's pretty sure it's the end of the Clone Wars battles. So mm-hmm. that's the one that we're being promised, and um, Sam Witwer, who's the voice of Darth Maul, said that it blows away everything that he hoped he would see. And mm-hmm. then we got a trailer, uh, mm-hmm. which was pretty magnificent too. Uh, we know there is twelve episodes. Uh, I also know that this is a series that we that people need to be very vocal about and be mm-hmm. very excited about, and let Disney and Lucasfilm know because this is an expensive animated series to create. I mean, you can tell just Mm -hmm. by looking at, I mean, they said that they have, um, the same high quality animation. Yes. But they've added more facial expressions into the animation. They said this in the panel. I live tweeted all of these on coffee with com. If people want to look at the Twitter, our Twitter Mm -hmm. feed and see that, but they've added more detail to everybody's face, facial design. And it shows, it shows they're really going to keep on with the stories they're telling but even higher quality of animation.
0: Wow, cannot wait to see this. And speaking of things I can't wait to see, The Mandalorian itself and following this, you know, from afar through the web, you know, just the images they put out, there's such an epic feel and size to this show. I mean, Lucasfilm and and Favreau appear to really be delivering the goods Disney Plus with this this limited series. I mean, I love the look, the the seeming dedication to the use of practical sets and props, which harkens back all the way back to you know New Hope and that sort of thing. And Carl Weathers. That's right. Did you know he was going to be part of this? I did.
1: Yo yeah. I, and boy, he was fired up. He was so energetic, and the people loved him. That was that was pretty great. I mean, being a long time, of course, Rocky fan, as so many of us are, mm-hmm. he was mm-hmm. really bringing the energy, and it was it was palpable. He he was uh, and so so was uh, Gina, is it Gina Carano is that her name?
0: I believe you're correct.
1: Yes. Yeah, she she was awesome. She was very poised and powerful, and she was kind of overwhelmed too. Favreau had joked that her stunt double was bored mm-hmm. because they didn't have anything to do because she just took on everything without it being any big deal. I mean, she's of course has a history in MMA fighting anyway, and she was in Deadpool. Mm-hmm. It looks like a a very, very different style of Star Wars, and people,
0: boy, people were really excited. Okay, so any other favorite of moments from this year's events? Memorable encounters? Uh, I know you got to hang with Lou Mangello, I mean, you know, who I haven't seen since last year's Indie Disney meet. By the way, they're, they're doing another one of those this year, folks, on September 21st out in uh, Indianapolis. But looking back, any fond memories? What? Yeah, well, meeting Lou was certainly great because
1: that was a, uh, He's someone I've, al- I've always liked, much like you. It's someone I've always listened to for years and, and admired. And so that was great. In fact, I got to be on uh, WDW radio doing a recap of Celebration Chicago. So that was a good time. Mm-hmm. Maybe you didn't, you must not have seen the, the photos, but I got to um, have a conversation and, and shake hands and get a picture with someone named Kathleen Kennedy.
0: Yes, yes. <laughs> I have to admit that's. Made it very tough not to be in Chicago to see that. It was like, oh! There was that. We, I ta- I thanked her for
1: keeping the ambiguity in Star Wars alive and how important I thought that was to mythology mm-hmm. and, and to storytelling. And she responded to that. She was very gracious. Very, You can tell she's got it together. She's very poised and powerful. And there are certain people that you talk to that just have mm-hmm. sort of a presence. And she was very focused uh, and very present with me and, and listening to everything I said and I was of course listening to her because it's Kathleen Kennedy, I was just, mm-hmm. I was just when she left, I was very impressed, and she seemed to recognize Coffee with Kenobi, which I thought was pretty magnificent. I mm-hmm. also got to meet—I didn't get a picture of him, but I got to meet and shake hands with J.J. Abrams, and then oh, Anthony, that guy, yeah, okay. that guy, that guy, that guy, and then yeah. uh, Anthony Daniels. uh ran into him uh, when I was mm-hmm. uh, with every, all the other people on, on the Good Morning America set, and we were talking, and he had joked. About what the title of his autobiography should be. Mm-hmm. And so I, I agreed with him. Because Hansel, of course, ne- says, never tell me the odds. Well, he said mm-hmm. he went to his publisher and said he wanted to call the title of his autobiography telling the odds. But they thought people wouldn't know what it was. And I said, mm-hmm. Star Wars fans would absolutely know and recognize that line. And he said, exactly. So he invited me personally to his unveiling of his new book and book cover. So of course I said yes to that. So we went. Uh, I got to spend about 10 minutes with him, talking with him. That was extremely memorable. I mean, we're talking about uh, someone who's been in every Star Wars movie ever. He's been a part of Star Wars since 1975 when he was cast. So that that was pretty wonderful. I mean, it's hard mm-hmm. to beat that. But I think we did. We had a podcast meetup at the Ark Bar in... A, A lot of people came, got to see a lot of podcasters uh, that have been around a while and also new ones. Got to meet lots of fans. I actually signed quite a few autographs, which was a little surreal. And then just being with my friends, being with Corey and Tom and just having fun at Celebration, being around all this positivity, uh, celebrating the saga, knowing that there's much more to come. It really was great. You were definitely missed, buddy.
0: You were definitely missed. Wish I could have been there. But on the other hand, as Star Wars Celebration Chicago was drawing to a close, it was revealed that the very next one is being held in Anaheim in 2020. Now, we don't have any dates on this yet, but I think that it's going to be kind of intriguing to see, given the proximity to the Anaheim conventions that are to Disneyland, whether or not we're going to see any after-hours events or early morning events that... Perhaps we'll allow conventioners to get into Galaxy's Edge, and oh, I think I would think so.
1: Yeah, I would sure think so. I'm, I'm a little surprised they're back to back in the states. I mean, we had back to back ones before, but they would be they were in Anaheim and then London. So this, mm-hmm. and then back to Orlando. So a little surprised, but I, everybody seemed pretty happy by the news.
0: I won't mention that I've been hearing already that 2021 might be in Orlando. Oh my goodness. To do I hope with a not. hotel. Oh, I could see that. Well, I by okay. the way, I will say
1: Orlando is sort mm. of the antithesis of Celebration Chicago. Celebration Chicago might have been the best one I was a part of. There was so much room, it was spacious, it was extremely well organized. I definitely think it was the way to go. Of course I'm biased. I'd rather I mean a train ride is a lot quicker for me
0: than an airplane, but Either way, I'm going to be there no matter where they have it. Well, then hopefully I will be there with you the next time around. Anyway, folks, that'll do it for this week. We'll be back in two weeks with a more traditional looking at Lucasfilm. But, Dan, thank you so much for for sharing your experiences and your memories of Star Wars Celebration from Chicago. That that was all great. And on behalf of your kids, I have to ask, did you bring anything cool home for us? Of course I did. Rebels action figures and T-shirts galore oh good to hear okay dan so until we next gather around our microphone here where can folks find you online you can find all eight
1: of our celebration chicago podcasts that we did on coffee with (laughs) kenobi on our itunes feed uh, stitcher spreaker anywhere you can find podcasts you can find coffee with kenobi on twitter instagram and facebook as for me personally it's mr zare m-r-z-e-h-r on twitter and you can find my writing on stars.com and IGN.
0: Okay, my side of the fence. We got the, the podcast that started all, Disney Dish with Lontesta. We got Fine Tuning with Drew Taylor. Thanks again, Drew, for standing in for me at the this year's Star Wars celebration. We got Marvel Us Disney. We have Universal Joint with Dustin Fuse, and we have I Want That with Michelle Valladolid. Head over to iTunes and rate and recommend our shows. That's it for now. And We'll be back soon, folks. Till then, take care. Thank you for listening to Looking at Lucasfilm with Jim Hill and Dan Z, one of many great podcasts on the Jim Hill Media Network.